Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. It's my goal to explore happiness through the conversations I'm fortunate enough to have on this podcast. And what has become so apparent is that no two definitions of happiness are the same. I hope these conversations can help guide you to discovering what happiness means to you. If you do get value out of today's episode, I would be incredibly grateful if you would share it with a friend who needs to hear it. My guest today, you'll discover very quickly, knows exactly what happiness means to her. And she's been living her best life free from distraction or influence for a very long time. I think a lot of people would be content after unlocking their own secret to happiness. But what I love about Jamie is that she's made it her goal to assist others in assisting themselves. It's not hard to tell from the sound of her voice that it's not forceful, there's no judgment, but it comes from a place of compassion, a desire to help others experience life the way she experiences life. That goal and mission is incredible to me. So it's no wonder we were able to have such a wonderful conversation. Jamie Lerner, co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You, can put a fresh spin on just about anything that anyone throws her way. Her unique and masterful ability to reframe even the most difficult situations is astounding. All of a sudden, your biggest nightmare becomes your greatest pleasure as she lovingly helps you sift through the contrast and find that small opening of light that quickly becomes your greatest jumping off point for clarity. Unassuming, reassuring, and seemingly without any sense of ego, Jamie Lerner is able to put everyone and everything at ease. Jamie is an asset to any corporate setting. She's easily able to untangle the issues at hand and move right along into helping facilitate a solution-based platform for creative, productive, good-feeling collaboration and change. Through her integrative approach to well-being, she can most often be seen working with individuals, children, adults, and couples, as well as with small groups. She never positions herself as the expert of anything and is always reminding you that it is you who knows best for yourself always. Please welcome my guest, Jamie Lerner. Jamie, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. How have you been? It's been a few weeks since we first spoke, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I've been intrigued by uh, the possibilities of this conversation. So how have things been? Very well. Things yeah. have been very well. Thank you for asking. That's fantastic. You staying staying safe, staying healthy, staying sane? All of those things. That makes me that <laughs> it's not always easy to do in this world, but uh, if we're if we can take responsibility for ourselves, I think that makes it a lot simpler. Yes, and to also have a very good sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> How important is that in your everyday life? It's very important to me, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's if um I mean if we can't laugh at ourselves, we can't laugh at the absurdity of the world around us, then we're we're not gonna have a good time in this life. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah, like I said, I'm super excited to talk with you. I, I uh, we I got a little bit of a primer uh, when we first spoke. Uh, I know you've got a bit of a psychology background and psychotherapy background. I mean, that's something that you did for a long, long time, correct? I did. 
I did. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because it's always fascinating. I mean, so much of these conversations, I mean, as, as I mentioned, this is essentially a podcast on happiness, but it also, I try to delve into, you know, the, what we've gone through to get to where we are in this life. And so much of that is about how we operate in our mindset and psychology. And, and, uh, I, I'm just curious what, what role that's played in your life thus far. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, we were taught in school to really focus on the past with people and have them go back and review and discuss and emote all of those things that occurred. Yet my sense was that was not helping people move forward yeah. or um, really do anything other than continue to have these kind of conversations that were almost like in a loop. So after a bit of time, I, I decided that I really wanted to do something very different. And um, so, um, yeah, now I am doing something really different. And it feels so much better to me as I am um, assisting people and assisting themselves in taking personal responsibility and um, identifying what they want, which I know is a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> um, I, I, I think what you said there is so incredibly important and in assisting people and assisting themselves. Um, I don't know. I, I, I talk about this often. I, for whatever reason, for the longest time, well, well into adulthood, I always thought that I would just wake up one day and have everything that I ever wanted. And I, I think if I dig into that a little bit, I, I probably thought I was going to be handed all of the things in this life that I ever wanted to accomplish, you know, whether it was starting a podcast or writing a book, which I would surely love to do or starting my own business. I just always thought that would just happen. But when I, I realized that I had to actually do the work myself, that was a very profound realization for me. I mean, when you help other people help themselves, do, do you see that kind of mentality often? Or I mean, do, you, do, you, do people generally have a sense that they, they want to accomplish something and just don't know how to do it? I think that the society rewards people who are victims. Yeah. And so when you grow up with that, um, you don't even understand that um, you have an option to take personal responsibility. Yeah. It, it's certainly not something that's rewarded. And then on top of that, when you have a, a past, which we all have had, some bit of drama or trauma or difficulty. And then you can use that as your excuse to um, fight for all your limitations. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those things together really make it difficult for people to, um, to even begin the conversation about how they are going to participate in creating the life for themselves that they're wanting. Yeah, I um, I don't know. You you touched on something which I I think you mentioned uh, initially about the kind of the the stories we tell ourselves and the way you said that society rewards victimhood. That is that's not something I'd heard. I mean, it's not something that I'd heard said aloud before. It's something that I think is very much true. There's there's a there's a a lot of truth behind that, and I think a lot of as you said, we all have some sort of trauma growing up in our, in our lives. We have some sort of, we all deal with issues. And so when we have that written into our story from a very young age, that really influences how we 
hold ourselves to or what standards we hold ourselves as to as adults. And so rewriting your storyline, that's that's not an easy task. I mean, how how do you work with people or I guess what's the first step and even beginning to understand where your what your story is and how you can start to change it? Um, I think that people are very unaware of the story that they're telling. It's almost like a mantra. It's unconscious. So then to just ask people to become aware of that and then also to ask them how they're feeling when they are telling the story. And usually they're not feeling very good and the story is not even true because it's so many years later. So I ask people if they are going to look at what happened then if they could do it from their right here now adult perspective. Because when you can do that, it really changes everything about the story. And it feels a lot better. Yeah, it really does. I think for me personally, I, I will get stuck in these negative feedback thought loops. And I will, when I realize I'm having them, I will kind of push them off to the side. But if I'm able to, instead of pushing them away, actually reflect on them for a moment and and realize they don't hold power over me like they used to, that creates this new, I guess, way of operating in my own mind where if it pops up or creeps up again, then it doesn't have hold the same power over me as it, as it used to. I'm sure a lot of that is can be, or that same practice can be utilized when you have this, this story that you tell yourself over and over and over again. And I, I mean, I, I have to imagine being cognizant of, you know, some of, um, some of this information, some of these, you know, these refrains, these mantras, as you said, it just, you, you can take the power back by just acknowledging them. Is that, I mean, is that, do you see that often or is it a kind of a different way that you approach it? No, I think that that is very powerful. And when you give people permission to do it, to kind of check in with themselves and to isolate what they are saying to themselves and to ask themselves, is this even true? Yeah. Like 90% of it is not even true. So then you have to kind of laugh about it. So um, I think when people can start to do that and get kind of like um, understand what their mind chatter is, like all that unconscious conversation that they're having in the background, um, then it gets to be very fun because people then understand that none of that is necessary. And it's not really serving them in terms of what they're wanting for themselves in their right here and now. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, uh, that gives me chills. I mean, it's, it's, it is very, very powerful when you're kind of able to make that switch or flip that switch from being a, a third party to these conversations to being the one in control of them. Um, and I just think that opens up kind of limitless opportunities for yourself. And I know I, I still get caught in the trap of, I don't know what, what the right word is, but kind of playing out future scenarios in my mind as the worst case scenario when very rarely, if ever, do those, you know, same things play out. I mean, usually it's, it plays out for, for my benefit, but there's still a part of me that, that kind of that, that monkey brain that wants to say, oh, driving down the street, somebody's going to jump out in front of you and they're going to want to start a fight, which is just utterly ridiculous. I, I think, you know, so much of what we see on social media, it just trains us to have that, 
that negative outlook on the world in which we operate. And that's, that's, that's scary because it, it really puts us in this, this fight or flight, high cortisol level, you know, mentality going throughout our days when we are not running from lions, we are just trying to live our very best lives. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I think it helps to have a little levity to have a sense of humor about it, to understand it for it as ridiculous as it is when you <laughs> replay that back to yourself and to really laugh. And I think when we do laugh, it does break up the intensity and it doesn't seem so awful and the work doesn't feel so hard. Yeah. And I, I like how you, I like how you say that the work, it, it doesn't feel so hard. I, I think the work is what, what scares a lot of people. I know it's scared me for a long, long time. And there are still times where I will, you know, I'll be getting ready to start a client project, but because it can seem so daunting, the over the overall project, knowing that I have to put, you know, 60 hours into it and I haven't spent five minutes on it yet. It's just that first initial step. Do you help your clients with that first step or kind of walking them to the starting line and helping them get past that? I And what kind of practices do you do to kind of build that mentality that you can, you can do this? It's just, it's just, like you said, putting in that work. I believe that procrastination is our friend. Okay. Which is, <laughs> and so I love procrastination because procrastination is letting you know that you are not in alignment with the task at hand. Yeah. And I think that when we are not in alignment, our thoughts and feelings being one, that anything that we set out to do is not successful. So the idea to push through anything with resistance, I think is a complete and utter waste of time. And so to really give people permission to understand procrastination for what it is. The interesting thing is as soon as you tell yourself that you don't really need to start this right now, you don't really need to do this right now, and you release the resistance, there's a few moments later where you find yourself wanting to do it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's interesting how this happens. It absolutely is. And you're absolutely right. I, 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 I guess I had not considered it like that before, but I mean, it's, it, it rings very true. I mean, if you kind of can, if you can sit back and say, okay, I can, there are a few other small things that I can accomplish right now. And then when you get into that workflow, you kind of build up that, at least for me, that, that desire to, you know, accomplish something bigger. So I, I appreciate the way you said that. And I, I like, I like hearing the permission to procrastinate a little bit. I, I think that that is healthy for our minds. It, it certainly is. And I think it allows us then to take inspired action, which really feels very different. Talk to me about inspired action. I, I've heard that before. I just I, I want to kind of hear where you come from with that. Well, I think that when you are feeling inspired to do anything, you are in alignment with what whatever that task is at hand, and you're excited. And your approach is really different because um, I know certainly for myself, you're able to receive. I don't know. I don't want this to sound too woo woo, but. Uh, the guidance from the universe or from wherever in order to, um, to do whatever it is that you set out to do. And it feels effortless. It feels fun. And, um, when my kids were little and now I have grandkids, um, I would say it's time to do this. And they would say, I don't have to do this or that. And I would say, no, you don't have to, but would you like to? 
And they were like, yes. I mean, it was just such a small shift in tone. Yes. And it made a huge difference. That's amazing. So I think that we box ourselves in in so many different ways and create resistance when it's just not necessary. We really have to trust ourselves that if this is a project we're interested in doing, then we are going to find the time or make the time and it's going to feel good when we sit down to do it. Yeah, it absolutely will. Um, so, I mean, inspired action. I like, I like that phrasing. Um, and you know, as somebody who, I mean, you yourself are, you're an author and, um, I, I, I trust me. I know from many years of procrastination how difficult it can be to to sit down and write. So I mean, giving yourself permission to you know do it when it feels right is I think paramount. But I, for you personally, how are there processes that allow you to kind of put yourself in the best? possible position to be inspired. I don't know if I'm asking that question correctly, but I mean, finding, giving yourself the opportunity to be inspired as often as possible. Is there something specific that you do to, to get there? Yes. I reframe every single effing minute of my day. <laughs> I love that. I love it. <laughs> yes, I do. And so, and it drives people crazy because no matter what's happening, you know, I can put a positive spin on it, but it becomes a habit. in time and it feels so much better and so literally you're flowing through your day with joy you're doing the same things that other people are doing the necessary things that we do you know when we have a job or children or whatever but you're just doing it in a way that feels good that's fantastic I would like to talk more about your reframing of your days because um, habits are a big part of my everyday life and and even ritual to an extent. Um, And I, in the past uh, eight to 12 months, I've gotten very, very strict with my calendar and making sure that I'm not giving my time away. And I, I think that's extremely important for a lot of people to do. So when you talk about reframing your day, what, what do you, what does your day personally look like to make sure that you, you are having that inspired action? I turn everything that I do um, into something that I want to do. So I never feel like I have to do anything. It's I always create a choice for myself. And if someone asks me to do something, and in that moment I'm not really sure if I want to do it, I say, let me think about that and get back to it. Because for me to resent even one moment of doing anything in a day doesn't feel good to me. And the top priority for me personally is to maintain my connection with myself Yes. and to be available unconditionally to everyone around me. And that feels so much better as the giver and the receiver. It absolutely does. Oh man, the way you describe that, it's, it's very profound. I, I have not been able to say it that way. And I appreciate the way, the way you did say that, um, for the longest time, I, I think I would habitually say yes uh, to to invitations, and I, I think a lot of it was fear of missing out and wanting to be seen in places. And when I was finally able to kind of rid myself of that that feeling of that feeling of being needed or a feeling of wanting to be seen, I. I I, I realized what I guess my truth was for you know how I wanted to to spend my time and and prioritize it and that was just 
it was just, it was, I don't like using this phrasing, but I, for lack of a better way of saying it, it was, it was a game changer for me and mm -hmm. it allowed me to really prioritize and optimize my life. So I could do the things that brought me true fulfillment and joy. And I'm sure people really appreciate that about you now, because I'm sure you're received in such a way that when you show up, you're present and very available as opposed to being distracted because you didn't know if you really wanted to be there or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, if I, if I'm given one piece of feedback, I guess, I don't want to call it a compliment. I'll just, it is what it is, a piece of feedback about myself. It's that I, I, I always appear cool, calm, collected, and just really kind of a, a chill guy. And I, I, that's, that's important to, to be able to say that and give that, not only that impression, because that, that is how I feel, but it's, it's through that work. It's through that determining that I'm not going to waste my time in areas that don't positively affect my life, that I get to have that mentality. And, you know, through that people, that's what people see. And I mean, just, you know, speaking with you for, for 20 minutes, I, I, I feel like you have that very same inner peace, that same sense of that's that strong sense of self within you. I do. And I think that the relationship that we're creating and recreating with ourselves moment by moment is the foundation for every other relationship that we go on to have with others. So it seems really important. Absolutely. Um, you know, in, in your, uh, in your bio, you talk a little bit about ego and, uh, I mean, you say, uh, with, without any sense of ego, which, which resonates with me. I, um, my the work I've done to understand my ego has been one of the most fundamental areas of growth in my life over the last five or six years. And in, in your personal development, in your work, how much of a role has has this is a tough question to word. I mean, how much of a role has ego played in your life, or understanding the symbiotic relationship with ego, and kind of having that that backing so you can identify it in other people. Well, I don't like to identify it in other people. Okay. I can tell you, but um, if I can help someone become more aware, yeah. that's, that's a good thing. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, ego's interesting. I think, talk about the fight and flight, you know, we get concerned um, if we're not in our ego. We don't think that we can, like, maintain our edge or yeah. that we're going to... Um, we're going to be a winner. It's an interesting defense mechanism. However, I remind people that when you really need your ego, it's there. Yeah. You know, it, it kicks yeah. in. You know, you don't even need to think twice about it. But we are not connected to ourselves when we're in our ego. Right. And that's the problem. We do not feel good when we're maintaining a defensive posture in, in our ego. And it, it, it never feels good. I mean, right. we, we could win the race, we could, we could, you know, get the company, we could do anything. And we're still so confused about why we're not fulfilled and we don't feel good. So yeah. it has a purpose. It will serve you when it needs to, but, um, yeah, it's really overrated. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could not agree more. Um, it's, I've gotten to the point where 
I, I ask myself still daily if certain decisions or certain things I say or actions, if they're motivated by ego. And I, I, I try to I try to make that answer no as often as possible. And I still slip up from time to time, which and when I do, when I when I when I'm able to be honest with myself and I, I say, yes, yes, I, I said that I said that thing because that was that was my ego speaking. You're right. It does it doesn't feel good. And it's not something that I, I want to really be identified as. Um, and I, I like your I like your example about winning the race. I, I do a lot of work with uh, the running community here in Columbus, Ohio, and and so I I, I see a lot of races, and I, I've I've been I've been a top finisher before, and it feels good. But there there are multiple ways to win. There there yeah. really are. You can do it in a way that you maybe you're picking other people up as they finish the yes. the race, or you can you can really seem like an a hole and you know rub it in people's face that you beat them by half a second. Yeah. There's such a different feeling involved with both of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, uh, I don't know, yeah, that's so I, it's, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear, uh, the way you, you talk about ego. It, it really, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I don't think something that a lot of, or enough people to uh, consider. Um, but I, that's, I, I, for you, for you personally, I mean, what, what, what has been some of the inner work that you've done? I mean, I know, I know you've been, you've had a long and storied career that's allowed you to to get to this place to where you are today. But I mean, it's, it is a constant, you know, we're, we're, we're not just sitting on one place in the road. We're continually, hopefully moving forward, maybe sometimes taking steps left and right or backwards. And so the work that you do every single day, what does that look like? Um, I sit with myself a lot. Yeah. And I am comfortable in my skin and I enjoy my own company. And I think that for me, because of that, I can be with anybody at any time, including strangers, a whole room full of people, people I don't even know. Yes. And my ease is helpful in creating their ease. So, um, yeah, this is very natural to me because yeah. my whole life, all I've heard, including now, is the sound of my own voice. Yeah. I'm impossible to influence. <laughs> I'm not impressed by anybody. I mean, I am so tuned in that I follow my inner knowing all the time. So in some ways, it's been difficult because um, people sometimes have a hard time getting in. They don't know how to participate with me. Yeah. Yet I'm so available. So um, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, if we could sit with ourselves more, if we could, I don't know, just enjoy our company, our own company a little more, I think that, um, I think we would feel better. I agree with you. Um, there's so much of that, that I, I'd like to unpack. Um, I mean, just sitting, sitting with yourself, we can start there. Um, I, cause I, I think at least to me, uh, you know, part of that, you hear that and you can think meditation it does not have to be meditation or it really doesn't. But for me, I, that's, that is a practice that I've kind of been able to bring into my own life and realize that it is okay to sit here. I don't, need to be in front of other people. I can be with myself for the time being, for 
five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And thoughts are going to go through my head. That's part of being human and silencing your thoughts. I mean, that, 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 I would make the argument that it's not part of meditation, but maybe some of the masterful meditators out there are able to do so. But just being able to realize that you're having a thought, not judging it as good or bad, but just accepting it for what it is and allowing it to move on. That's that's so important. Mm. And it's such a great practice when you're out in the real world being around other people. It allows you to stay calm. Yes. And there is a practice called selective sifting that's also really helpful. And it, when you practice it enough, it allows you to be with anybody amongst, you know, multiple people having conversations that you would never engage in in a million years. And you're able to only extract the parts of the conversation that resonate with you. Yeah. You and, said you said selective sifting, S-I-F-T-I-N-G. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Can, what does that practice look like? I've never heard of that before. So... Um, it's a practice that really, let's say you were in a group of people and they were speaking negatively about other people, but that conversation doesn't even resonate with you. Yeah. So you wouldn't have a judgment about it. You wouldn't even think anything of it because you would give no attention to it. You would just put your attention on the parts of the conversation that did resonate. Yeah. Which is a very... Um, it's really interesting when you get this down and you're able to do it because it's um, you have to be so purposeful about it. Yes. Yeah, you you do, and I, I think I think part of the worry, and I, I I think it's a fantastic practice, but I think part of the worry would be people. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I feel like people may feel you as if feel as if you're being dismissive, which I, I don't. I don't want to be. But I mean, I, I, I guess that is you know the the, uh, the selective sifting is something I've practiced without realizing that I had a name for it. And so I've I've had that experience where people you know will think that I'm not paying attention to a conversation, but only I don't know. I think it also if you dig a little bit deeper into it, you talk. You think about asking yourself why you have an opinion of this. And if you can release opinions of unnecessary yes. pieces of conversation or, or topics, yes. then you don't have to stress out about them. And if you're, yes. if you're yeah. And that's just, <laughs> yeah. And you have no opinion. So yes. there's no reason for anyone to think you're being dismissive. You're just completely neutral. I yeah. mean, you know, you're aware that the part of it is not resonating with you. And so you're trying to find the part that is, and that's yeah. it. Yes, yes, that, that that is so well said, and I think, I I mean that is that is something I strive to do. But in this day and age, when we're, we're turned on all the freaking time, and we have everybody who has these super strong opinions about every little thing, let's argue about why there are leaves on the trees. There's there's not. I don't know why. I'm just looking at trees right now, so that's the first the first thing that came to my mind. But if we can just realize that we don't have to have an opinion about everything, I think we'd probably be a little bit more accepting of each other. I think you're absolutely right. And it's interesting because the people that have the most opinions about other people are very uncertain about what they're wanting for themselves. Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I, I guess I, I do have to ask. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, 
integral to any part of having a creative outlet or having a creative career is, you know, trying to promote it on social media. I mean, do you are do you do a lot on social media? Do you do you see, you know, some I, I use this word very specifically. Um, do you see the vitriol that is that is thrown across the Internet or do you do your best to remove yourself from that because it, it just has no effect on you? I selectively sift on Facebook every day. I yeah. post an inspirational message every day. I have very few people following me because the whole idea to even suggest someone would follow me. I would love someone to join me, but follow yes. me. I can't ask that. I'm an absolute failure on Instagram and I could not keep up. So I, I watch no television. I read no newspapers. I listen to NPR every day just to get what I need. And that's it. I'm very disconnected from that world yet. I have no judgment about it. I think it serves people on so many different levels and you individually get to choose how you want to participate in it. It's a choice. I respect that so much. I I really do. I, it's, I, I try, I try to live, uh, in your example, and it, it, sometimes I, I, I catch myself slipping up, and when I do, I always regret it. I, I don't feel good about it. Um, so I think that's a lesson a lot of people can learn from. Um, uh, so when we talk about kind of the the art of of allowing, um, because I know that's that's something that we we brought up briefly previously. Um, I don't know if you can give me just kind of an idea of what that means to you. I mean, I, I, we've, to me, it's kind of, I mean, we allow the world around us to happen. And the only thing that we're really able to remain in control of is how we respond to a situation. Is that, I mean, is that, it's something that we've kind of talked a little bit about in the last half hour. So, I mean, is that what you kind of see as the art of allowing? Yes, but it's so nice when we can do it with friends and family too. Yeah. When we're strangers, when we can feel so good about ourselves and feel so connected that we're able to allow others to be who they are and where they are without judging. Because when we're in a good feeling place, we extend that courtesy to other people. It's our own disconnection that then we begin to judge others. We begin to project how we feel not good about ourselves on every one of them. Yeah. That's, um, the, the judgment, um, and the projection, uh, the subsequent projection. I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I know that's so much of what we talk about here. And I, I, I try to frame things in a, in a end of one situation where I'm, I think about it in regard to myself. I try not to project that on other people, but it just, it seems like so often we, we don't feel good about in certain areas of our lives. And so we just assume that others don't as well, or maybe even at the worst of times, hope that others feel just as bad about this particular aspect of their life as we do. So we can, I guess, I don't know, the, the old saying, you know, misery loves, misery company. loves company. Yeah, And exactly. it does. And it truly, truly does. But when you are feeling good about yourself and connected to yourself, then your experience of others that are unhappy is a place of compassion. Yes. You feel compassion. You don't. You don't wish them anything other than h- hoping that they will feel better, and that just perpetuates the good feeling within yourself. And it sounds so selfish and self-serving, yet it benefits everybody. It does. 
It absolutely does. And I mean, you, you, what's the saying, you know, you, you, uh, your glass must be full before you can, you know, help others. That's I'm butchering whatever that quote is, but I mean, you you need to have full glass before you can help others or else you're not going to be able to come from any place of, uh, of excess. I'm, I'm saying that completely wrong, but I mean, the idea is there. Well, and it's true because people are spending so much time helping other people and they have nothing to give. And then they're so resentful and angry. And that just doesn't even feel good. Like who wants to be helped by someone who's like pissed off? It's yes. like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, this is such a skewed example, but I, I mean, I, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I stopped eating at fast food restaurants a long, long time ago was because I, I don't, one, I feel for the people who are making minimum wage, working a job that they absolutely hate. I just, I don't want to be in a position where I'm, I'm being served food by somebody who's not happy with their, their job. And, and I, I mean, it obviously, and I don't want to perpetuate that either because, you know, I'm being another customer, making them do more work. I don't know. I, I want to, I want to work with people. I want to talk with people, this, this podcast and this particular conversation, you know, such a, a great example of that, who have that, that sense of that, that feeling of abundance, knowing that they, they are in a, such a great place that they can give back to others. And it's, it's so refreshing to, to talk with you about this. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, I, I am curious uh, that, that that last piece of conversation, and I mean, I I don't want to ask a loaded question, but I mean, what, when we talk about you know helping essentially to relieve the suffering of others, I mean that that is you know one of the ideas of Buddhism, and I'm I'm so far from a practicing Buddhist, it's it's ridiculous, but I, I very much relate to its tenets, and so I'm curious from your point of view, your standpoint, and feel free to, you know, divert the question. I mean, do you, do you have a particular practice that you adhere to, to, you know, to, for for yourself personally and to help yourself better serve others? Well, once again, I think that when you're connected to yourself, you are, even vibrationally, you yeah. are assisting the entire world. Yeah. The other thing is, who are we to project suffering on another? Right. I mean, what we see as suffering might not be suffering to them. However, the idea that we could flow appreciation to everybody and everything feels so good on the receiving. So even appreciation to someone serving you in a fast food restaurant. People are underappreciated. Yes. And a little goes a long way. But when you are feeling good about yourself and connected, appreciation feels so lovely. It does. It's such a natural extension of who you are. And to just, you could like walk around and not say anything to someone and flow appreciation to them and they feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you think about walking down the streets or you know, walking through, uh, I don't know, a hallway with others walking towards you and just imagining the perception that you, you're either giving off or receiving from somebody else where if somebody's frowning, if they are hunched over, if they're looking at the ground versus if they're standing straight up, looking at you with a smile on your face. I mean, just those those present two such different feelings that can have a, a long term. And I, I mean, you know, from minutes to hours effect on, on the way your day, uh, your, your, your day goes. This is so true. The thing is you cannot feel bad for someone and flow appreciation to them at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in regard to appreciation, I, um, I, I've done my best to, to create some sort of gratitude practice. So that's, that's kind of been, been important for me to, so every night I, 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 I do a quick journal. I, I write down some of the habits that, that bring value to my life. I try to prioritize those. And one of those is showing gratitude within my own mind for further people. And a lot of times it just feels like a practice. It feels like I'm, 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 I'm pushing papers or, or whatever. I, I want to, I don't know. I want to make sure that it not only provides value for me, but provides value for others. Now at times I find myself reflecting on that, that later in the day I will be writing this down. So I want to make sure I show gratitude or make sure that I appreciate the relationships in my life in that very moment. So that, 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 that practice of gratitude, I mean, how closely does that tie into appreciation for you or are the two synonymous? I think they're completely different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that when we try to come up with ways to show gratitude, yeah, that is not appreciation. Okay. That in some ways is a, it's like something that we've learned that we should do. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, it, sometimes it's just guilt. Yeah. So it, it, I think it's coming from all the wrong places. And I, I just think it's, it's yeah. So yeah. like to appreciate, <laughs> appreciation is different because you can feel appreciation for somebody and that is showing appreciation. Yeah. So I, 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 first of all, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right. It, I mean, it, it, it feels very forced and I, 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 I cringe to admit that, but I mean, it is, it is a practice that we feel like we should do. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, and so I, I don't know, to, to me right now, appreciation kind of feels a little bit ethereal and it, yes I, yeah. absolutely absolutely how lovely is that <laughs> it is it is it is it is great but at the same time for me right now and for others i i want to make sure i don't know how do you I, how do you express appreciation i guess that is the big question i didn't want to ask it too bluntly okay. but I, yeah so the thing is why is it so important for yeah. you to know the other person is receiving right right you're, that's the yeah. ego. Yeah. I don't like to say that. But no, <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. That's the ego. Yeah. So um, that that's the wrong reason to do it. Appreciation, we, we really feel appreciation because it feels good to us. Right. And because it feels good to us, believe me, it feels good to other people. Yes. Uh, it's just becomes just a very a natural state of coexisting with, with everything and everyone. Yeah. Okay. I, I thank you for saying that. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I appreciate your opinion. So, so thank you. Um, that, that is, that is something I, I'm, I'm going to uh, reflect upon because I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you're right. It, it does feel good. And it does feel, especially, especially gratitude. It, it feels self-serving. And, you know, I think a lot of times some of the things that we, we, we go out of our way to do, whether or not that's volunteering or uh, showing appreciation or gratitude, they, it can be self-serving and it, it feels good for us. But if it feels good for us, then hopefully it feels good for others too. So they're not, it doesn't seem mutually exclusive. I mean, there are, 
there it can be it can be mutually beneficial. So again, I I'm glad that you shared that. Um, it's something that I I want to reflect on in the future. Uh, the other thing is, I believe that we are only responsible for the delivery. We're yeah. not responsible for how it's received. Yeah, we act, we have no control over that, none at all. Yeah. So whatever we're doing, if we're connected to ourselves and we're feeling good, and even to you know with a with a client, we are not responsible for how it is received. It is only received. Is a reflection of how the person is feeling about themselves in that moment. Yeah. Which changes every single moment. Yes. I think I I I think what you you just said is is in essence permission to not hold ourselves accountable for how people re, I guess respond or react to you know your your good intent. And so I yeah. I, I right. thank you for saying that. I think that's extremely important. Um that yeah, that is something that I'm going to keep in mind. Um, we're coming up, or we're just over 40 minutes here, and so I, I do want to make sure that we we talk about uh, about your book, The Ever Loving Essence of You. And uh, if, if you, I mean, if you can talk briefly about the book, what inspired you to write it, and I mean the the effect that it's had sharing your message with other people, I'd be so incredibly thankful to to kind of hear that from from you. I mean, you, you're the co-author of the book, correct? Yes. So, um, and this book was written a long time ago. Okay. I don't like almost 11 years old. Oh, wow. um, So um, when I was born, I was born with a knowing, and I think we all are. And, um, you know, just life, um, I think that we, um, instead of being tuned in, we start to tune out. Yeah. And um, I was always tuned in, but never felt connected to my mom. So I couldn't figure this out. Like, how could I be so connected to me, but not be connected to the person that brought me into this world? Right. And I spent half my life trying to really figure that out. Um, And then when she, uh, she was ill and she was in the ICU and she was intubated and um, I sat with her um, for several days and just felt all the love pour through her to me. And I thought, oh my goodness, like this is the beginning of our mother and daughter relationship. And then she transitioned. Yeah. And at that time, it was so clear to me that my inability to connect with her had nothing to do with me. It was her inability to have a connection with herself. Now, this woman was a force of nature. She had 48 hours in every day. She, I mean, she accomplished in her life, maybe four lives of another person. But she was always running from herself. Yeah. And was never really able to just sit and connect with herself. And so I sat down with a friend of mine who knew my mom from childhood and this book just flowed through me um it was completely effortless and what i realized is once again the most important relationship that we have is with ourselves yeah we can't sidestep it that's amazing 
So the book is super easy to read. It's like it's broken up like into chapters, but you could open it and just read like one sentence randomly. It's just got different little like, actually it's just reminders of what people already know and have forgotten. Yeah. And just different ways, different tools. And it's, it's a really lovely book. Very loving. That's fantastic. I, um, I don't know. It, uh, it was, it gave, it gave me, I don't know, a, a weird feeling is not the right way of saying it, but when you said your mom was always running from herself, that, um, I, I don't think that, that doesn't, that just does not seem unique to me. It seems like so many of us are, are always doing that. I, I don't know either where they're chasing the next big opportunity, the next paycheck, uh, then the next dopamine hit is just something or always, we're always not, we never feel content to sit here right now, being in the moment, whether or not that's with ourselves or having a one-on-one conversation, which I think is so incredibly beneficial. And I'm so grateful for you doing this with me today. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's such a wonderful practice to not be constantly striving for, for new opportunities or new levels of happiness, which is such a strong message within this podcast. And I, I, the way you said that, it, it really, um, that really, that really brought it home for me. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. So when you, I mean, it, you talk also about reframing the most difficult stitches, the difficult situations. Um, I mean, is, is that, does that play a role in your book as well? Because I, I think, you know, if we look at over the last two years, there has, there's been a lot of difficult situations that we've had to deal with and some have dealt with it well, others have, have not. I, it was important to me to make sure that I became the best version of myself over the last two years. But other people, they were either stuck in their apartments by themselves or they developed new, new negative habits like drinking alcohol or, or, you know, even drugs or, you know, any other sort of addiction. So reframing those difficult situations, I mean, that, that cannot be something that's super easy for just anybody to do. Is that, or is that how you work with people to really help them understand that they're capable of doing so? Yes, I think you can reframe the most awful thing. And I think when we do that and we understand that because of that contrast, we are so much more powerful. We are so much more better for it. And we turn it upside down on its head and really turn it into the strength that it is. And that's what we talk about. So reframing is like the most important tool, I think, that we can utilize and we should feel okay about it. Yeah. Yes. Um, or I should say we could feel okay about it. Right. I don't like to say should, but it's an option and it works really, really good. And yeah. no, you're not delusional and no, you're not in denial. And yes, you can get on with your life and you can tell the story about how the last few years have been so interesting. Yeah. Interesting is a very neutral term. There's no judgment there. These last few years have really been interesting. They have. They absolutely have. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What you you said there, I mean, there's, 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 there's no, there's no judgment in these situations. You're not, you're not, you're not lying to yourself. You're not, 
you're not crazy for, you know, saying that the last two years, for example, have been a growth opportunity. I mean, that, that, that the, the difficult situation is going to exist no matter what your mindset is. And so you can have a positive mindset or you can have a negative outlook or you can have something in between. And if you consider it, like you said, interesting, it, it removes both good and bad stigma from it. It just, it exists as it is and it allows you to kind of observe it objectively. Yes, and then make choices about what you want to do with it. Yes. yes. Nobody needs to weigh in on that. You uh, don't need to, like, ask people what they think. You know, that's the biggest mistake. Yeah. To oh. a- start asking people, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Who cares what they think? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, that is so profound. I... I I absolutely love that. And I think, I mean, we, we get so caught up in this, this cycle of feedback and we want to, we want to impress everybody. We want to, we want to instill envy in everybody. We want to do all of these things for everybody else except for ourselves. And so we don't need that. I mean, if, if we can find fulfillment from it, then hope, then hopefully, you know, with something like this or a book, other people will derive value and pleasure from it. Yeah, well, it's certainly an option. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, Jamie, I this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I, I I'm, I'm so I'm so thrilled that we were able to connect. I'm, I'm gr- glad that we were introduced to each other. Um, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I do have a few closing questions that I like to ask my guests, and uh, I, I'm always uh, thrilled to, to hear the responses, and I, I'm. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing yours specifically. And uh, the first of which I, I think we discussed very briefly initially. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, I, you know, I want to be this, you've, you've given me a ton of value in the last hour, just, just having a conversation. There's, there's a ton of value in that, even if it goes nowhere else. And so I, I always like to ask, you know, if there's something that somebody can do for you, whether or not they're listening in Africa or, or California or Montana, and they, they, they say, hey, I can help Jamie. What are you looking for to continue your personal growth? Or if, if you're perfectly content the way you are and there's nothing that you're looking for, I, I'm curious to hear that as well. I love to meet people yeah. that are connected to themselves, that are present. I really feel that people's presence is their greatest gift to everybody, to the yeah. universe. Um, so, yeah, just connect to yourself and be present. And that's, that is a gift to every person I, to me, yeah. when I run into people like that. And you can feel it. No yes. words. There doesn't need to be any spoken anything. And it feels amazing. And it's yeah. very powerful and very inspiring. Absolutely. That I absolutely, and I've I've very much felt it from you over the last hour. So again, I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Um, the next question I always love asking because I, I get such a range of answers. If you could credit one book that you've read in your lifetime that's just had such a wonderful, profound, hopefully positive impact on your life, what might that book be? Ask and it is given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. Forwarded by Wayne Dyer. 
Yes. That's great. I, 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 <laughs> I had not heard of it before. What, uh, what was it about that book that just had such a great Im- impact in your life? Um, you know, the whole book is based on the connection between our thoughts and feelings. And yeah. it really is um, such a wonderful affirmation to the power of feeling good. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. I will, um, of course, put that link uh, for that book in the show notes, and I, I look forward to, to reading that as well. Um, and then last but not least, you may have already answered this with the first question, but I, I'm, I'm curious if you'd like to reiterate it. Uh, if you could leave one closing call to action for the audience that either you live your life by or you instill in others to live their lives by, what would that call to action be? Love yourself, know yourself, and trust yourself. I love that. That's perfect. Jamie, thank you so incredibly much for having this conversation with me. Um, if people would like to to learn more about you, if they'd like to connect with you, if they'd like to, to purchase your book, um, what is the best way for people to, to find out more information about you? I have a website. It's www.jamie-lernr.com. Perfect. Jamie, again, thank you so much for not only just this conversation, but all you're doing for the world, helping people be, I I mean, you you are helping people be the best versions of them. There's being the best versions of themselves. And that means, that means a lot to me. So I, again, just thank you so much for this conversation. I, I hope we can speak again soon. Thank you for inviting me. Once again, please join me in thanking Jamie for joining me on the podcast. It was such a delight having this conversation with her, and I truly hope you were able to get some value out of her personal insights. If you did and you enjoyed this conversation, I would be incredibly grateful if you would share it with a friend who you think would get value out of this as well. It would mean the world to me, and it would help me continue growing. If you'd like to learn more about the Mosaic Life Podcast, you can visit the website at themosaiclifepodcast.com where you can find all of the subscription links as well as the show notes for each episode. And of course, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It means the world to me, and I promise you I will never take your time for granted. Until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.